Hello and welcome to Mash Mouth, a podcast covering every single episode of the hit 1970s sitcom, Mash. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Ethan. Ethan, okay, so today's episode features kind of like, I don't know if you'd call it a sweepstakes, but that's what it felt like to me. That's the vibes it gave me. So have you ever entered a sweepstake or, you know, won anything from it or anything like that? I've entered a few sweepstakes. It's always like low level stuff, right? Like I'll enter to win like a Blu-ray or whatever on these mm-hmm. like uh, distribution sites that I follow where it's like, oh, we'll give you this for free if you follow us. Um, and I never win those. So it's kind of a scam. But I've done other stuff like uh, Hamilton tickets. I've mm-hmm. never won that either. But I think we, you and I have both done that. And <laughs> yeah. one day, one day we'll get those $10 tickets. Not to sound <laughs> like absolute dorks. But the the closest I've come to winning a sweet stakes and this is going to date the episode, but it's to getting into art school recently. Oh, that Woo! feels like I really won something. <laughs> Congratulations to Ethan. He got into an amazing art school. We're not going to disclose, I don't think, the location. No. But this is us formally saying that Ethan is a real and true artist. Thank you. That's crazy. <laughs> um, What about you? Have you ever entered or won a sweepstakes? Any uh, cereal box contest we should know about? No. And here's why. Because I always wanted to because they always had those like, oh, enter to win the sweepstake, buy the box of Gushers or the yogurt or whatever it is to enter the sweepstakes. But my mom like would never let me do it. Like all you had to do was like send in like a cardboard thing that you got from your box or whatever. This is like my closest thing to sweepstakes that I can remember from childhood. And my mom was like, absolutely not. You're not sending something into some random thing in like Iowa. No. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So no, I have never won a sweepstakes. (laughs) (laughs) And that always the way. It's always like... Especially the small stuff those box tops give away, right? Where it's like free movie tickets to some random kid's movie. Mm -hmm. You're like, I could do that. Or I could just not. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But my mom was always like, absolutely not. You're not doing that. With, I guess, good reason. But I was always remembering on like Nickelodeon when I would watch things and be like, enter to win. My mom was like, no. (laughs) No, you're not getting that PlayStation 2. What are you talking about? (laughs) The PSP. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) I guess we should move on to the episode. Yes, I think so. (laughs) So, in this episode, Life with Father, a male call brings Father Mulcahy a troubling letter from his sister, Henry a different yet equally troubling letter from his wife, and Hawkeye and Trapper the prospects of winning a pony. Yeah, literally a pony. (laughs) So, Ethan, what did you think about this episode? Okay, so similar to last week, this is kind of divided into different singular stories that kind of all intertwine at the end, you know? Mm -hmm. A little bit. Henry's kind of has an ending that doesn't affect the other endings, uh, which was kind of weird, but we'll get into it. And I like the individual pieces on their own. I like Father Mulcahy's kind of story arc in this, how he kind of develops as a character and like what he ultimately has to do throughout the episode, I thought was really interesting. And I, I thought the Trapper and... Hawkeye get a pony storyline was (laughs) genuinely so funny and so weird and so fitting of the show. Like it didn't Mm -hmm. feel like a 
like the running out of ideas moment. It felt like the writers genuinely had a funny idea and they they executed it really well, even though it was kind of ridiculous. Henry's storyline, I'm going to save my thoughts on that until we get to it, because I have complicated feelings about this Mm storyline. What about you? I mean, I liked how light this episode felt in like the wake of dealing with kind of like heavy topics throughout the episode. But I really didn't like the execution on this episode, I don't think. I didn't really necessarily have like too many problems with the episode. I had problems with the way that it felt kind of half-baked. Like, they didn't really explore the characters as well as they could have, I guess. Um, So, yeah, so I I don't think that the execution was great, but I also didn't have too many problems with it as, like, just a random episode of MASH because I know that we, specifically on the Father Mulcahy front, we kind of get more of an exploration into his character later on in the show. So I wasn't, like, wanting more, but I kind of was wanting more out of this like singular episode i feel what you're saying you're kind of saying that the parts are better than the whole like every kind of individual piece is good it's kind of similar to what i said but it no doesn't... actually i think that i'm i think that i'm saying the opposite of what you're saying like it kind of oh, came wow. it kind of came together for me okay like it was a fine episode and i was like okay like this was fine i don't think the pieces really hit like they were trying to tell too many stories i feel in the story i feel like it could have just focused on father mulcahy or it could have just focused on henry i didn't necessarily like enjoy the fact that these two kind of things were almost competing with each other because it it felt like neither one was complete to me yeah okay i understand that (laughs) now that does make sense because like i said the henry stuff kind of just ends and doesn't Mm -hmm. really affect the father mulcahy plot line so i understand what you're saying it's a real case of like last week it was very clear a b plot Mm -hmm. this kind of just had two a plots and it was kind of like fighting each other Mm -hmm. yeah definitely i feel like um Like I said, it was just competing a little bit too much, the two intersecting storylines. And I felt like if they had paralleled each other maybe a little bit more, which I kind of felt like the writers were trying to do a little bit of just like, oh, this is this is like Henry's problem and this is Father Mulcahy's problem. And it's both like kind of like a moral conflict of like, oh, my God, what should they do? But it, I don't know. It didn't really like work for me. (laughs) Mm hmm. I guess we should take this kind of like bit by bit that I felt yeah, like this was kind of hard so. to figure out how to talk about, too, because like you said, there wasn't an A and B plot. It was like an A and A plot and they kind of intersected. So it was kind of interesting. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Father Mulcahy's letter first? Yeah, I, I think that that would be like a natural kind of like way to do it. Would you like to start us off? I feel like you have stuff to say. <laughs> well, first of all, knowing the show... This was the first mention of his sister, who is a nun, who is a basketball playing nun. Wait, and what? Is... <laughs> yeah, she plays didn't... basketball. Yeah, I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, so that um, she is a basketball playing nun. She's really cool, and that actually comes back later in the series. So keep an eye out for that. That's that's a lot of fun. That's amazing. That's like if basketball playing nun isn't the plot of a '90s film, I don't know what we're doing here. <laughs> I mean, it's like Sister Act, right? Like, almost. Yeah, but like, Whoopi Goldberg didn't play basketball in that one. She should have. Maybe <laughs> Sister agree. Act 3. Get it together, Whoopi. <laughs> so I did really like the conflict coming out of this of Father Mulcahy's sister writes him this letter that 
she is thinking about leaving, like, I guess the convent or the nunnery or basically the practice of being a nun. And I liked that this kind of presented this conflict for Father Mulcahy because clearly he and his sister are so dedicated. So her asking for his advice and his blessing and stuff really presents this like moral issue for him. I I felt it for him too. I thought the acting was really great here that he really did feel like conflicted of just like, but she's such a great nun, but also like I want her to be happy because she's my sister. There was such respect for his sister in this that I really enjoyed that he is like, she's the best nun really kind of made this feel more like relatable and more universal beyond like the religious aspect of it. She's just doing a good job and he doesn't want her to leave her good job that she's doing more or less is what it comes down to. But she uh, because she's a nun, obviously, you, you can't have, like, relationships and stuff. And she's, like, wants to have a child. Mm-hmm. And that's her reason to want to leave the nun life, uh, let's say. And I thought that was really interesting kind of human conflict for her to have. And it was framed really well where it was about him having to come to terms with it and accept it. But it didn't feel like he was just being possessive of her life, you know? It was still like, Mm -hmm. she's a person I respect, and obviously it's her decision. But, like, I don't know if I personally respect that decision. And that was, like, a fun thing for him to grapple with. It was such, like, a nice conflict for him to have. Yeah, and, like, I liked the aspect of it being his sister, you know? Not just, like, a friend. I feel Mm -hmm. like the stakes were almost a little bit higher in that sense of, hey, yeah, you know, my sister is a nun and I'm a priest. So, you know, of course I want her to stay in the faith because she's good at it and, like, you know, this means so much to me. But also wanting her to have fulfillment in her life because... She's his sister, you know? So Mm -hmm. I thought that that just, like, added a really cool layer to it. And Father Mulcahy's sister comes back into, like, is talked about more. um, And his relationship with her is kind of explored a little bit more as well as the season goes on. Or, I'm sorry, as the series goes on. So it was just, I, I liked that this kind of conflict happened in the beginning because it kind of paves the way for that in the future. So I, I really liked this whole aspect of it. But, (laughs) like I said, I felt like it was a conflict for Father Mulcahy, but it wasn't given enough screen time almost. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, I wanted to see him kind of like grappling with this a little bit more and having this conflict and talking it out more than just with Henry in that one scene, you know? So, I don't know. It just like kind of fell flat almost to me. I didn't necessarily feel that, but I understand where you're coming from. It is sort of sidelined for this other uh, thing that's happening, but I personally like how... Father Mulcahy does come to a decision at the end of the episode with how the other events sort of play out. I thought it like came together pretty well where it's understandable why he would ultimately like accept this for her. I I thought it worked okay, but I do understand what you're saying. Also, every time we've really talked about Father Mulcahy, you're always talking about him in the, the future tense of like what happens to him and how much he develops. Even the first episode, you were so happy that it's like fully established that he taught kids like boxing um, mm-hmm. so early on. And I, I love how strong the line for Father Mulcahy apparently is that they uh maybe not had a plan for him, but they really 
planted the seeds and then followed where they went as the show went on and they kind of got deeper into it that sounds really cool and i can't wait to see that yeah i think that um because eventually william christopher gets promoted to the main cast and i think that that's just like a great choice because more screen time for him is just the right way to go like i i feel like Mm -hmm. you can never go wrong with father mulcahy's character being on screen for longer which I guess is why I was kind of like disappointed in this episode because it wasn't really following that main conflict that they like set us up with in the beginning, but he was on screen with this Briss. So do you want to talk about the Briss aspect of this episode? Yes, actually I do. (laughs) I thought this whole Briss thing was really interesting and I liked it a lot. This is probably my favorite part of the episode. And it it starts with Frank just being a horrible racist person, uh, as he usually is with this, like, Korean woman trying to get a doctor's help. And Frank just brushes her off and doesn't even treat her as human. Because he's like, if we interact too much, it's going to set a bad standard or whatever his line of logic was. Like, she's on a medical site. She could need help literally a woman with a baby if she's trying to get a doctor's help and frank's like no 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 margaret don't talk to those people like ew frank stop being that way yeah it it was like really nasty like beyond his usual comedic nasty which kind of comes around later on in the episode like i i liked how evil he was in this like i thought it was kind of funny like what he tried to do uh when it kind of climaxes but like him starting off with being so dismissive i was like this is just a this is just a bad man this is not a man that i would enjoy being around in my real life no Um, not at all (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so i completely agree with you i thought that frank was just like so gross in this episode but after Frank like pulls Margaret away from this woman and child after she's literally trying to see like what she needs and also talking in that broken English as if that's going to like help her understand English. I That's one aspect that I know we've talked about before, but I just like hate from this show. I just think it's not funny at all and like very annoying. But we come to find out that this woman is trying to have a bris performed on her son because she had a son with a Jewish American uh, soldier. And so for anyone who is unaware, a bris needs to be performed eight days after the baby is uh, born. And a bris is basically like, a ceremony of having a male child circumcised. So it's like needs to be performed by a doctor <laughs> for sure. Um, but then also a rabbi has to be there. And lo and behold, there is no rabbi at the 4077. So they're like, Father Mulcahy, help. <laughs> this is one of my favorite things in general about this episode is that Like, they're trying to find somebody Jewish, and they just can't. And the few little Jewish jokes in this, I thought were really funny. Like, uh, (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Like, Father Mulcahy saying, like, that guy's a bit of a mashugah was, like, the funniest (laughs) thing in the world to me. Like, I know, I loved it. I loved it. Um, I loved that also... 
with Father Mulcahy too. He was so happy that the baby was like born healthy and they were going to mm-hmm. be like performing a bris, even though he's not Jewish. And I, just, I don't know. I thought that that also was such a testament to his character of just being like such a nice guy. And yeah. I know we've talked about that before too, of just like he is like a nice religious person. And I don't know. I, I just always love that. Yeah. And I love that he is the one to perform the rabbi duties over uh, Morse code <laughs> Literally. radio via a boat. Like, that was kind of insane, but it, it was so cool. I liked how it was this, like, weird, high-stakes intercommunication thing, but it was about, like, giving a ceremony to a baby. That felt very real. That felt like something that happened in real life that Larry Gelbart or one of the writers was informed of in their research trips and turned into an episode. I can imagine this kind of thing happening to someone somewhere, you know? Yeah, of like some kind of, maybe not necessarily like a baby, but like something having to be like translated from Morse code to English to have it be performed or whatever the case was. Yeah, I agree with you. I also loved that Radar was the one kind of translating the Morse code for Father Mulcahy because Radar just like went so hard in this episode to find a (laughs) rabbi to be able to perform the bris. And I was like, Radar is a real true ally. Like he wanted this to happen. I forget what Radar says, but he's on the call, like looking for a rabbi and the guy on the other end is like, oh, what is that? And he describes like some specific Jewish thing. And it was the funniest thing ever, but I forget like (laughs) what it specifically was. I don't remember either, even though we like literally just watched this episode. I don't remember. All I remember is Father Mulcahy like thinking out loud of like, oh, I know this one rabbi, but he's not orthodox. He's conservative. And Radar just saying, oh, no, I don't think that she wants like a flashy bris or anything like that. It was just very (laughs) funny. I love the Jewish humor in this. It's all very, very good. And uh, I like the bris itself, that it was treated fairly seriously, Mm -hmm. that it had this kind of dramatic tension that like the other surgeries have where it's like gonna restart their heart. It was given the same kind of weight as that, even though it's a much more low stakes affair. Mm -hmm. And I, I liked how Frank's kind of jerkish behavior manifested as him taking a bunch of pictures of the brisk, which is like a nice thing to do in there, like in a different context. It's like a nice thing to do uh, as part of the ceremony. <laughs> well, I for I said in my notes too, like, oh, good. Now they have pictures like for the dad that they can send because he yeah. can't be there. <laughs> but I was also so irritated because... Like, of course, Margaret and Frank were like, this is an elective surgery, so you can't do it. Like, it gets against army regulations, blah, blah, blah. First of all, I don't know. That was like giving anti-Semitism. So, <laughs> not, not, like, joking aside, I was really annoyed that they interrupted because of just how dangerous that was. Like, Hawkeye is literally has, like, a blade to this young child's genitals. That is, that is true. Like, if he makes one slip, there could be issues and they're like taking pictures and like flashes and stuff. I was like, guys, you are doctors and nurses. What are you doing? Actually, you're right. That is very, very true. I mean, I have a lot of confidence in good old Hawkeye mm-hmm, that he mm-hmm. wouldn't slip. So I was never like, this baby's in danger. But you're right. In in real life, <laughs> if it happened, it would be kind of terrifying. But I did enjoy that at the end of it, when they had to do the prayer 
following the the operation i guess you would call it that mm-hmm. frank and margaret did join in when it was asked for everyone to join in that was just like a mm-hmm. nice little little moment of i guess irony from them that like they're so against it but also if you tell them to do it they're gonna just <laughs> participate in it you know <laughs> yeah yeah definitely i i did like how it resolved of course but I really loved how the mother of the child, she was there as well, and she was very adamant about the bris happening, even though she was not obviously Jewish, but she knew the Hebrew that they couldn't get from radar because the the signal on the radio cut out. And I kind of just like, I I don't know, I loved that. Mm -hmm. I loved her character as well, that she, that like little aspect of her knowing this man so well that she like knew Hebrew and she knew his ID number as well. And I was just like, I liked, I just really liked her and this relationship that you don't even see on screen. But I I don't know. It just, it worked well for me. Yeah, I like this woman a lot too. She doesn't have a lot of lines or anything, but she does have really good screen presence. Like you're, you're very aware of her when she's on screen. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Their relationship with her knowing Hebrew is very cool. And side note, I felt so annoyed watching this with subtitles on Hulu that they just translate the Hebrew into uh, parentheses speaking Hebrew. Anytime that happens, I'm like, no, you you failed. You got to like write it out for me, please. Even if it's in a different language, I'm like annoyed when they don't do that. Yeah, because like I want to know what they're saying. Like I definitely don't know hebrew but i like picked up on like a word i'm like if this was written out i may have been able to like understand this a little bit better exactly (laughs) come on embrace all those apostrophes and you know all that (laughs) in the hebrew language (laughs) exactly so yeah i think that we both agree that this was like a very good aspect of the episode but this is what i was saying before too of like with father mulcahy i feel like We could have had (laughs) this, like, scene with him getting the letter from his sister and him kind of, like, grappling with this choice that she's asking him to make. Like, not even his choice, just, like, his, like, either approval or disapproval of this choice that she's trying to make. And then, you know, have that, like, stretched out a little bit. Have this brisk scene even exactly the way it was. And then have him just, like, realizing in the same way that he does like that he's giving his blessing to his sister if that's what she wants to do i feel like it all could have just been utilized better i needed something to really like tie it together yeah i get that i liked how it ended with him obviously participating in this this moment for a child and he kind of realizes that like his sister deserves to be happy no matter what she like wants Mm -hmm. i thought like worked really well but I do understand what you're saying, that the episode would be much stronger if it was purely focused on, like, his character arc. Obviously, like, Hawkeye and Trapper and everybody else would be there. But if it's purely a Father Mulcahy episode, as the title implies, it would have been a much stronger episode. I agree. I'm wondering if... They just maybe didn't do that and chose to really put like the Henry stuff in because at this point we don't know too much like of Father Mulcahy. So they were kind of like trying to play it safe of just like, hey, this character that you do know well and is part of the main cast, like here's a conflict with him too to like keep the audience engaged with what they know maybe. That is true. Yeah. So I guess we should talk about, (laughs) we should talk about uh, Henry's 
piece in this episode as well. Yes, I have very complicated feelings about this one because Henry receives a letter from his wife encouraging him to take up a lover in Korea (laughs) as if he hasn't already done that several times. And then it goes from him being like very excited of like, my wife's is so cool. She's cool with me dogging around or whatever, whatever he (laughs) says to him realizing like, oh, wait, if she's encouraging me to have an open relationship, that means like she also wants an open relationship. And the slow kind of reveal that she has back home in Bloomington, Illinois, taken up someone else as a a lover of some degree Mm -hmm. um, and his kind of response to that. I had very complicated feelings about that, which I will further get into. But for the sake of me not talking for 15 minutes straight, what do you (laughs) think about all of this? I think that I also had complicated feelings about it, too, because... Henry just being like really happy that his wife was like, hey, my wife gave me like a hall pass to while I'm in Korea. But then thinking like, hey, wait a minute. So she gives me this hall pass. Does that mean that she has like a guilty conscience of she's cheated on me? So she's giving me this pass to cheat on her, even though meanwhile, he's been cheating on her this whole time, which like kind of annoyed me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I feel like this was again, I, I don't want to keep bragging on this episode because I, I did like it more than I'm kind of like letting on, I guess. But the storyline didn't necessarily like really work for me because I feel like it could have explored that like just Henry in this episode too and just this issue that he was having. Because I'm sure that it is like a really big concern for both people who are deployed and their spouses of like infidelity basically um Mm -hmm. so i feel like that kind of worry and that issue in their relationship could have just been further explored like a lot deeper than it was in this episode so yeah so i i I don't know it didn't like really work for me for a lot of reasons i also agree with you there that it's another one where the episode would have been a lot better if it was the focus of the episode instead of splitting its attention But I have to say that I I kind of went through a very big like evolution of mood while watching this, right? At Mm -hmm. first, I was just genuinely really annoyed at Henry for being so happy that he can legally cheat on his wife in theory um, (laughs) when he's already been doing that. Like that was just kind of like a scummy thing. I don't like being reminded of Henry having a family back home and being very actively cheating on them, essentially, and him being happy about it. It was like, oh, Henry's kind of a bad guy in this one. And then when he has the realization that his wife potentially has a guilty conscience, I thought it was like funny in an ironic way of, oh, no, my wife might cheat on me. But I've already cheated on her a million times. <laughs> but the fact that she's my wife, it upsets me now that like someone else could be doing something with my wife. Just that like irony of it, I thought was kind of funny that he's being an absolute hypocrite but does not realize it. And just mm-hmm. how anxious he feels. It was like that nice kind of karma thing for me. I don't know if that was the intention. But I was like, Henry's kind of getting what he deserves for this yeah. anxiety. Um, but then... When he does confront his wife of cheating on him and she does like confess to it, I kind of did a total 180 about my feelings towards Henry this entire episode because I was reminded of Henry's conclusion as a character that he he doesn't get to go home. And this is potentially one of the last conversations he has with his wife is 
emotionally devastating. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah. what a what a roller coaster for Henry in this one, where you go from like he's an awful person to also like, oh, buddy, like I feel so bad because this ends so poorly for him. Like, there's no funny resolution. It's just that. His wife is cheating on him with an orthodontist, and then he's like, oh, God, why? <laughs> yeah, I um, I did feel bad for Henry in this episode as well, because, like, I, I, I don't, well, I don't want to necessarily say I feel bad, because, like, it was almost like a karma of, like, kind of getting what you deserve. But I guess I do feel bad for him, because you could tell that he was, like, missing his wife a lot, like, very, very homesick in this episode, very upset. Like, missing his kids, missing his wife, and to the point of almost crying, I think, on camera. Like, he was getting, like, misty-eyed and very upset. And then the phone call that he has with his wife, too, like, he is just, like, visibly deflated. Like, very, just very upset. Like, I can't believe that. <laughs> it, the only, like, real laugh in it was that it was, like, an orthodontist, because for some reason that was mm -hmm. really funny. I don't know why, but... <laughs> That was a really weird moment of can laughter. Yeah. I feel like they should have put that in. Yeah, I think that they were trying to soften it a little bit, but I don't know. And then just to have it conclude like that, just there was no like resolve. There was no like, oh, yeah, we worked it out, you know, or, oh, mm -hmm. it was a misunderstanding or anything like that. It was just bad. I don't know. Yeah, That is another reason that I didn't necessarily like care for the writing in this episode because it just felt like it just dropped off for no apparent reason yeah i i feel that i mean i kind of like when comedy shows have the guts to leave you on a sour note uh for mm -hmm. like a storyline and i want to know if at this point they kind of knew what was going to happen to henry uh that he wouldn't continue the show very much longer i i don't really know the production history that you're gonna have to fill me in when we get later on in the season mm -hmm. but this felt like a sort of conclusion almost to part of Henry's character. Like this felt like the end of him being promiscuous in Korea. Cause like if he was on the show for eight more seasons or whatever, like through the finale, I don't know how much they would deal with the fact that Henry's torn up about his wife cheating on him back home. So like having this kind of happen to him and then what happens to him at the end of the season is kind of a double whammy of like this is this is the end of Henry like this is kind of his sad moment to close out his relationship with his wife on yeah even the uh even the phone call that he has with his wife too she asks if he's okay you know he mm -hmm. she that and that really that really got me cuz it was like I don't know. It was almost like terrible foreshadowing, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And I don't even know if the writers even really intended all of these like little drops of like Trapper leaving and Henry leaving and Henry not being okay and stuff like that. So I don't know. I, I did like that aspect of it. And I wasn't necessarily mad that it left on like a sadder note. But also, like I said, it, it just felt like incomplete writing to me rather than just like okay, like, this is supposed to make you feel sad. Um, yeah. Because, like like I said, I feel like it could have just been explored a lot more, and I would have felt a lot worse for Henry if he wasn't, like, a serial cheater on his wife, but I guess that's, like, a whole other thing. But, yeah, I mean, overall, I did. I didn't like it, but I also, like, I did like it, you know? 
Yeah, I think I appreciated this. I'm not gonna say I liked it. I appreciated yeah. this more than you because I am my my brain is just so focused on Henry's conclusion as a character for anything involving him at this point that I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, this is this is such a sad final conversation with your your wife. I don't know if he has future conversations later in the season, but for what I remember from seeing the show. This is this is it. Like this is the the last time they really speak together. Well, no, like I I don't want to like I just okay. That's not well, the case. I I keep thinking about stuff like his arthritis, like this happening, and then the ending is just like such such a heavy like Henry's life is kind of going down the the mm-hmm. toilet towards the end, and like I feel bad for him that like there's a lot of compounding things that just make things worse knowing the ending you know yeah absolutely um now when you say it in that perspective that's fucking terrible (laughs) that's really sad um yeah i don't i yes yes the the compounding aspect that's pretty terrible but also i know that in the rest of the season I don't remember exactly things like that, but I know that, you know, Henry does have, like, more conversations with his wife and, like, it's kind of, like, moved okay. past as far as I know, which is why I think it didn't hit the same for me because I was like, uh, this just doesn't, isn't making sense in, like, a continuity okay. aspect, I guess. But when you put it like that, um, yeah, that's pretty, uh, bad. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess status quo, he still has a wife for the remainder of the show. But, you know, my, my, just what I know about Henry, I'm like, oh, this is so mm-hmm. sad. But on a lighter note, I just have to say before we kind of move on from this, is that I thought it was funny that he got porn again from uh, the, the, the people <laughs> and that Hawkeye and Trapper were going to watch it with him. I thought that was really funny and just like a weird thing that they do together all the time, I guess, <laughs> just in the, the electric shed or whatever he said they were going to watch the movie in. I also love that Raider was like, okay, like, can I watch this time? Because I think it gives further like credence to your uh, theory that like Radar is just like exhibiting more man behavior because now he like wants to watch pornography because he wants to know what to do now <laughs> no okay maybe maybe not that but you know no, I, that, he's a that curious was, that boy immediately was what my mind went to i was just like ah radar needs to learn now he needs some tips i don't think yeah so. i don't <laughs> no, no, i don't no. think so no, no no this is this is for sure canon <laughs> <laughs> all right um 50 50 shot now am i cutting that out <laughs> <laughs> i don't know <laughs> um i guess we can pivot to the final aspect of this show which was the lightest and probably most fun hawkeye and trapper trying to win a pony <laughs> i love this we'll talk about this real quickly okay I love this. This was so adorable from them. It felt so like childlike and innocent that they're like, we're going to find all the presidents and then we're going to mail us in and we're going to get a pony. It, <laughs> it was just like that delightful kid logic of things that I love, even though they're grown men, but they're so invested in this obviously ridiculous thing that it's so enjoyable for me. And then at the end with uh, Hawkeye riding a horse, amazing (laughs) yeah hawkeye and trevor just riding off into the sunset on a white horse i was like wait a minute what did i just see (laughs) what just happened here (laughs) um 
I liked this so much because it just felt very real for Hawkeye and Trapper to be like, yeah, we're going to do this really dumb thing because we need this distraction from like surgery. You know what I mean? They were just Mm -hmm. like very intent on it because they're like, they don't have anything else almost. I don't know. It's like, it's very reminiscent of another episode later on, which I won't spoil for you. But there's a book that everybody is passing around and they don't have the last chapter to the book. And so it just like it felt very much like that to me in a very different way of, hey, we really need this because we don't want to be here. (laughs) So we Mm -hmm. need to think about something else. I loved how goofy it was. And like I said in the beginning, it felt so in character. I I agree with you. This felt like something they would do. Obviously. I don't think they're getting a pony from this contest <laughs> where so. you have to find the faces of the presidents within like this children's menu picture. Um, <laughs> which, by the way, I would not be able to do. I don't know what any president looks like outside of like four of them. And like the fact that they were calling like Calvin Coolidge and other people. I'm like, how do you how do you know what Calvin Coolidge and other ones look like? I don't know. <laughs> I think that there were less presidents back then. <laughs> but so still, there wasn't an internet. Know. Like, you couldn't look up a picture of a president to find one. That's true. That's true. But, like, also, wasn't school back then just, like, learning the presidents, learning the alphabet, and then, like, going to college? Yeah. He spent 12 <laughs> years learning about the Revolutionary War. They didn't even teach you the whole shebang. You had to go to college to <laughs> learn who won. So, you know. <laughs> this is a joke. We are not saying that people who are older than us do not have education. <laughs> Please, we are not ages. Please. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that's kind of the end of the episode. That's it. Yeah, um, they ride into the sunset. <laughs> so did you have any favorite lines from this episode? There weren't a lot, I don't think. My favorite line, my all-time favorite line, is uh, definitely related to the pony when uh, Hawkeye and Trapper are both looking for presidents and Father Mulcahy's at their table in the mess hall, and they're, like, finding them. They're spawning, like, three of them at a time, and then they have to find five, so that's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Mulcahy, like, points at one, and then Hawkeye, like, pulls the paper up to his chest, and he's like, you're trying to muscle in on our pony father? Just, <laughs> again, that, like, kid energy of, like, we're not sharing our pony with you. What are you, what are you talking about? I love that. <laughs> what about you? Do you have a do you have a line? I honestly liked the whole scene in the I guess it was like the X-ray room where Hawkeye and Trapper walk in on Frank and Margaret making out and they're like excuse us we need to use the X-ray light to find our president's faces. Thank you very much. And Margaret is mad and she goes, "I don't know which one of you is more obscene." And deadpan while they're looking at the faces of the presidents <laughs> trapper goes he is we took a poll and i just i love anytime <laughs> i think i've mentioned this before but i love anytime the humor is very like natural in that way of just like yeah you know this is just something that they would typically say mm-hmm. in general i don't know just struck me as very very funny i liked that whole scene on a similar note i actually have another exchange that felt just so improv-y to me that I, I had to mm-hmm. note it down. Um, Trapper's like trying to console Henry about his wife cheating on uh, Henry. And 
Trapper says, once you hear your wife's voice, you'll know everything is okay. And Hawkeye just responds, I'm surprised he didn't say hunky-dory there. And Trapper <laughs> says, well, it, it crossed my mind, which is yeah. just so, like, natural in the way, like, people speak and joke to each other. It was so mm-hmm. weird. Yeah, I think that's why I love the humor of MASH so much and just, like, MASH in general, because it doesn't have that, like, sitcom pause for laugh. It just, like, feels like humor you know Mm -hmm. and i i always love that i'm just saying hawkeye and trapper could start a podcast and i would listen to it because their banter (laughs) is very naturalistic (laughs) a hundred percent a hundred percent so i do have some trivia about william christopher today oh my god this is a huge piece of trivia so because this is like really the first episode that features him more prominently in the storyline i figured let's do it I'm excited. This guy's pretty cool. So, William Christopher grew up in the Chicago suburbs, and his family is believed to be descended from Paul Revere, which, (laughs) amazing. Excuse me? You can just do that? You can be descended (laughs) from Paul Revere? Something that you learn in grade 11 when you're in the school in 1950s? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I was like, oh, oh my, okay. So... (laughs) Going from that, uh, William Christopher got his bachelor's degree in drama with a focus on Greek literature. Very cool. Mm -hmm. He moved to New York and acted in several off-Broadway plays and made his Broadway debut in Beyond the Fringe. Christopher moved to L.A. to start his Hollywood and TV career. And before MASH, he guest starred in The Andy Griffith Show, Death Valley Days, and The Patty Duke Show. He also had a recurring role in Gomer Pyle and That Girl, which Gomer Pyle, like... You can't get better than Gomer Pyle, right? <laughs> That's the other uh, me TV standby. It's always MASH and Gomer Pyle. <laughs> and Gomer Pyle. Yep, 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 yep. So Christopher was a student of Harvey Lembeck, and he appeared in an episode of The Carol Burnett Show with two of other Lembeck students at the time, which, very cool. Love Carol Burnett. She's uh, She rules. Such Let's a delight. Say that. Such a delight, that woman. I wish she guest starred on this show so we could have a whole segment about her. <gasps> That'd be so amazing. So Christopher replaced George Morgan as Father Mulcahy after the first episode of MASH and continued to play Father Mulcahy in After MASH for two seasons as well. And in MASH Original Recipe, Christopher's wife Barbara appeared with him in season four. So we'll we'll be on the lookout for that. I really want to know the premise of After MASH. I don't even know what it's about. Is it just like they start a regular hospital and Father Mulcahy's there? I need to know now. I do know. But I feel like I want to watch it with you. (laughs) So anyway. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) So after MASH, not after MASH, (laughs) after MASH, Christopher guest starred in another popular, in other popular TV shows in the 80s, including Good Times, Murder, She Wrote, and The Love Boat, which like the MASH to Murder, She Wrote pipeline is very strong because a lot of the stars of MASH also guest starred in Murder, She Wrote, which amazing. (laughs) Of course, they had to see Angela Lansbury. (laughs) Christopher appeared in several films, including this film called With Six You Get Egg Roll, which he appeared in alongside Jamie Farr, in which they both played hippies five years before they played their roles in MASH. So that's very funny to me. I love this interconnected universe that they weave. Right? 
And William Christopher also toured with Jamie Farr when they did a theatrical tour around the U.S. of The Odd Couple after MASH concluded, I'm pretty sure. That rules. Let's go. And apparently William Christopher was typecasted a lot after MASH because he played priests in several roles, including in an episode of Mad About You and in, I think, a recurring role in Days of Our Lives. Christopher's son has autism, and that informed a lot of his charity work with the National Autistic Society, and he would do public service announcements for them to bring attention and awareness to autism back in, like, I think the 80s and the 90s. So I thought that was really awesome. That is great. I am always love to hear people take an interest in supporting people with disabilities. So that's yeah. great. And Christopher passed away on December 1st, 2016 of lung cancer at his home in California, which coincidentally, or like interestingly enough, was exactly one year after Wayne Rogers passed away on December 1st, 2015. Mm-hmm. So very, very interesting. But this man had seemingly just like a great fun career. And I love him in this role as Father Mulcahy. And I would love to see him in other guest starring roles because it would be very weird to me. <laughs> We're going to have to check out Murder, She Wrote. Maybe we'll do a uh, Patreon Murder, She Wrote episode <gasps> one of these days. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. So fun. So Ethan, okay. I think it's controversy time. What was your martini rating for this episode? Okay. I feel like you're going to go like way lower than me. I'm going to say three out of five. I'm like pretty solid on this one. I like the individual pieces, but you're right. It could have been stronger if it focused on one thing. But there was nothing in this episode that I call bad, and I enjoyed a lot of it. I the the pony thing you gotta give six out of (laughs) ten alone. Am I right? (laughs) Okay, so I'm not too much lower than you. I gave this a two point five out of five because I I wouldn't say that this was anything above average, but this is still like definitely not below average. Just absolutely an episode of Mash. Like if I could choose to put this on, I would. You know. Yeah, that is that's the standard episode of MASH for Vanessa. She's (laughs) like, would I put it on? The answer is mostly yes for most of them. Like, I wouldn't shy away from this episode like I would other episodes, but I wouldn't necessarily pick this one over other ones. So 2.5 it is. I feel that. So just to wrap up, we'd like to give thanks to Jacob Ferrabalco for being our technical consultant, Melissa, my sister, for cover art, and of course, our listeners. Thank you so much. Our music, social media, and contacts for the show are linked in the description, as always. And join us next week for Season 3, Episode 9, Alcoholics Anonymous. But until then, please don't interrupt a bris. <laughs> Goodbye, farewell, and amen. Bye, everyone. Bye.